What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode two of Break and Build. I'm Brad. And I am Billy, where you can take a break from your daily life and start building your life in a positive direction. We are on episode number two, as Brad just said. Very excited to get into everything we have today. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't know where we are right now in our story, then that means you got to go backwards and listen to episode one because we're not going to catch you fully up. That's why That's why there's an episode one, right? So, no way we have enough time <laughs> <yeah>. for that. <laughs> we got a lot of things to say. <laughs> a lot of things to say. Uh, so this episode, we're going to, we're going to kind of continue our story with Bonafide and we're going to kind of mm-hmm. lead that into our venture that came after that arena gaming league. Uh, so the next kind of stuff where Bonafide was taking us, you know, we're starting to get set back up. We're moving, uh, back up to Chicago, Illinois, the suburbs, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. We call it Chicago. Um, Chicago. and you know, I think the next big step of our kind of journey was the start of our community and the community outreach and how you build a community around a brand. So why don't Mm. we kind of kick it off with building a community around your brand? Cause honestly, like you can't be successful without, without a community, right? No, not at all. And so like, I think community is so big in regards to this because you honestly have to like, do two things. So I think the two things that we really actually kind of like thought about was the brands and the, the directions we want to take our brands and who we wanted to start reaching out to. Right. So we started as like, you know, bonafide boarding. And so we wanted to do, which will change at some point or another in the story, but we were thinking like, you know, who are the people, what are we good at? We looked at ourselves and that was like probably the start of self-reflection, I think for myself. And I think maybe for you as well, even though we didn't, might not have realized that like, what are you good at? Who are you developed with? So it was skateboarding for me, I had a lot of connections in that. And then Brad was doing his gaming. So in order to make anything succeed, it's not going to succeed unless you have that community that you can reach out to. Basically, that's going to like back you and start to have like your followings to be able to grow. So we started skateboarding in my regards. I started going after some of my friends. And the funny thing is, is like, we were so into like doing this and we were so like overly confident, (laughs) ignorantly confident that we were like, oh, it's going to be easy. Like, you know, I know Chaz and I don't know, like XX and X skateboarders, like it's going to be easy for me to just like go after these guys, you know, like get them to wear some stuff. Like maybe we can sponsor them. And like, we didn't even take into the account that like, you know, these people get paid for a living by these sponsors. (laughs) This is how they make their money. And we're like, oh yeah, it's going to be easy. Like they'll just take our stuff. So I started on the skateboard route, hitting up all my friends. And then Brad, what did you do for the gaming? Like what, what was that impact for you? Um, I mean, I think it kind of started off with like the team that I was on and everything. I'm like, Hey, you know, we're doing this stuff. Let's, let's rep our brand. Let's do this. And Mm -hmm. obviously we had already come off of, a couple of events. So we had, you know, some connections of pro players and stuff and the gaming community at that time was not built up to what it is now by any means, or, you know, skateboarding or anything like that. So, you know, sponsoring gamers and stuff like that is a completely different world back then where it's Mm -hmm. like, Hey, we're a brand we're trying to grow. And a lot of people just get really excited to represent a brand. So it was, it was super, you know, um, Kind of like very, very interpersonal, right? It was yeah. less about the money, more about just like being excited that like somebody's excited about you, right? And that that was like what gaming was at that time. And skateboarding, the Rob Deerdex, um Street League didn't really start taking off yet. So 
it was, you know, skateboarding has always been like relatively kind of like more of the popular extreme sport. But today I feel like it's so much more mainstream because you have, you know, all these, you know, Lil Wayne that's gone into skateboarding and all these people that like are mainstream media people that now endorse skateboarding. And then, you know, Street League took it to the next level. And then, you know, MLG took gaming to the next level yep. and before, you know, like a lot of other companies kind of took it within themselves to start building their own community, similar to what we're talking about, leveraged and leveraged and then getting it there. Yeah. So, so we started, uh, I think the start of our kind of thing was what we called the flow team, right? Cause, and that kind of, mm, derived, was, wow. that kind of derived <laughs> from your skateboarding stuff because you kind of had experience yep. with that, with some companies being a part of like a flow team. And that was kind of where you started before being paid and stuff like that right it's like mm -hmm. hey here's some gear represent us you know we work together to just kind of build stuff and you know help get each other known as much as we can um so we started this flow team um you know some people we gave gear to we had some stuff to give giveaways other stuff we did a lot of custom uh like shirts and prints derived mm -hmm. specifically for for them and we just gave them like a super discount to cover our costs essentially so that we weren't losing money on it and uh, I mean, everybody likes getting a shirt for five bucks or whatever. Right. So it's like if exactly. you're a shirt for super cheap, it's, it's never a bad thing. Then they feel like they're, you know, being a part of something and that's more what it is. It's like, Hey, we're a part of this thing. We're building this, this group and this, you know, mm -hmm. great community that everybody starts supporting each other. And, you know, from there you can just keep building on it. So, so we started off with the flow team. We had a bunch of people super excited. We had skateboarders, snowboarders, BMX riders, gamers, you know, we kind of hit this like a little bit of music. Yeah. We had music. Yep. So we hit this, like this plethora of people that were not pro, not getting paid for what they're doing, but are super dedicated to their art. And a lot of those people now, are like way famous. Like it's, it's no, it's gnarly, man. It is, it is absolutely crazy. Um, crazy. I think throughout our podcast, it's going to be really fun to show you guys. And I don't think it's not for like a confidence building or a bragging thing, but just to like show how many people we've been linked to and like what some of the people are doing now that are relatively like, you know, consistently hardworking. And honestly, we'll touch on this as we go, but for me personally, like just being a part of all these different organizations and arenas and everything like that, that me and Brad have been through and built and been a part of it's It's crazy to see that like, you don't really, in my opinion, need any specific type of like talent or gift. As long as you are like consistent, you're willing to keep on learning, growing, building and readjust yourself. It's easy, not easy, but it's obtainable to become what you want. Like I, I've seen some people in companies where when I initially got introduced to them, I'm like, there is no way that this person, company or anything is going to make it. And now they're making it. So it's really cool to see all that stuff happen. I don't know if that was the same for you, Brad, but also I just want to point back. So for flow, what, what Brad means in, in the skateboarding industry, there's three levels to sponsorship just so I can catch all you guys up. So if we ever do rent for us this back, you guys know what we're talking about. So Basically, there's an, just a skateboarder. When you say an amateur skateboarder, there's amateur is basically like you're sponsored and you have uh, potentially are getting paid, but you're on their team and you're being featured in their videos. Flow is the first level where it's basically like, hey, we recognize that you're a good skateboarder. We're not going to put you on the amateur team, which is the second level. We're just going to give you free stuff 
you're probably not going to be included in our videos. And you're probably also not going to be taken on tour or go to any of our uh, demonstrations that we put on with our team, but you're on our radar and we're going to keep watching you. And then once you get a little bit higher on their radar, then they're amateur. And then after amateur is pro and pro is basically like you start getting your own stuff. They recognize you as like a really talented person, or you've done a lot of dedicated work. Cause I've also seen some people in skateboarding that like, there's many people that are better than them as well. And it's just that consistency that we were just talking about. So what Brad was talking about, how we started making this cheap clothing was we realized after our first order that we talked about that we overpaid for was like, this is not sustainable for a business model. Like we cannot keep ordering hundreds of shirts without doing that, which is then going to lead us into our next topic that we're talking about, which is going to be setting up shop because Brad, <laughs> How are we going to order, this, you know, this was ten to fifteen dollars shirts and then yeah. sell them for five dollars? It's never going to work as it's a business model. And this, this was like this setting up the shop kind of topic is the first. Uh, what do you call it? I guess, <laughs> I guess the it's, it's like the an start, investment it's, in a business. It's the start of right? the, the rabbit hole. Realistically, Man, though, some rabbit like, holes, but like yes. this is this is like the start of a giant rabbit hole for us. So this is Brad's mind at work. It's like do something really fast and then realize like, oops, like this probably isn't going to be sustainable. And then it's like, how do I really make this process a lot more efficient and user-friendly, which is genius to be able to like sustain this. And this is our next venture here. We just do it all ourselves. We can do everything better than anybody else. We can do it all ourselves. Like you said, that's your mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's just like, it's like, we don't, we don't need, we don't yeah. need to order. We could just do it all ourselves. Yeah. So we go into super research mode. We start researching, you know, how do you screen print? What are all the different options? All these things. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we, at this point I'm living back with my parents. We've got a basement that, you know, I finished out and we had an empty room down there. So I was like, okay, we could probably use this space to just, you know, turn it into a print shop of some sort. yeah we could do the whole basement was finished except one room which was going to be the bathroom bathroom. if i'm not mistaken so we used an unfinished bathroom to put a screen printer in it yeah and it was actually a large bathroom like it's not like a small like you know half bath it was definitely going to be a full bath so (laughs) brad goes into research mode we look up all these different Uh, screen printers and then Brad basically brings like two or three to me and is like, Hey, like these are the ones I think we should get. And he probably had one that was at the forefront of his mind. So I'm like, yeah, man, it sounds like a really good idea. And the thing is here, like you'll start to see these, uh, common threads is like, just do your research. <laughs> number one, number two, like if you're going to buy something like this, like I would highly suggest that you guys in your businesses go and like actually see this yes. stuff, like in production, like go 100%. visit the screen printing factory, like go visit like a, you know, a card manufacturer, yeah. whatever business you're going to get into, just like go visit that, see what that looks like. The process looks like, and then maybe talk to somebody that does it. Cause I'm sure you have a friend of a friend or somebody's friend's dad that does it and just see like what the day-to-day looks like in this, because we had no idea what we were about to get yeah. into. And I guarantee you, I went not. to a, like a screen printing shop, a a shirt printing company and I saw it and I talked to somebody who is actually yeah. in the industry as a screen printer yeah. and they would have told me that I'm crazy then I probably yeah. would have been like this is a terrible idea but instead <laughs> it's just like we're entrepreneurs we're just gonna do it we're just gonna we're yeah. just gonna make it happen and right. you know it's one of those things where it's actually 
as we as we talk about the experience we have with this, at the end of it all, uh, I'll state right now, it is a very good thing we did do it because mm-hmm. we 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 learned things that allowed us to then communicate to factories and screen printers in the future that allowed us to be way more knowledgeable and not get taken advantage of. So we did Absolutely. learn a lot from it. Um, and honestly, we have the skill set of being able to know how to print shirts now. So just put that checkbox totally. in the in the book, right? <laughs> I, I do think that you pointed that out that, yeah, the checkbox for sure. But like thinking about the communication of actually understanding how to do something yeah. and what it takes. So if somebody, we go to a screen printer, like we know the lingo that they use. We know about all the different like underbases and then putting layers on top and different color transparencies and all this stuff and the the printing processes. We literally learned about it all only by doing it hands-on. So fortunately in this scenario, we'll talk about (laughs) another one in a little bit. We didn't spend a tremendous amount of money. And I also want to point out something to you guys as well is there's, I don't think in my opinion, obviously like businesses have startup costs, but we'll get into it in other episodes that having your business leveraged to be able to grow and then it pay for your upgrades is not a bad thing being patient for. But in this scenario, like, I don't know, what was the screen printer? Like a thousand dollars or something? I think with like everything, once we got all the inks and like everything, but like, I think the printer the inks, itself was wow. like 300 bucks, but like we bought tons of different inks. We bought um, plastisol inks. We bought water-based inks. Mm-hmm. We bought inks that we shouldn't have been able to buy, which we'll talk about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, we, we got all this stuff and then we're like, all right, we're ready to go. Cause we had to get, um, <laughs> we had to get, so part, so part of setting up the shop before we go into more specifics is yep. the things that it takes to screen print, right? So you need a, you need mm-hmm. a printer. We got a four color printer. We got, and if you guys don't know what a screen printer looks like, it's basically just like a big tic-tac-toe that kind of like maneuvers on this axis, right? So it's got arms that sit out, which is each screen. So you can print multiple colors because when you screen print every single color that you see printed on a shirt is a different design that's put on a screen. Each screen only has one color that goes over it. Yep. And so, so we get that, we get a bunch of screens. Uh, cause we had, we had a bunch of designs at this point. We're like, Oh, we're going to do this. We have like 50 mm-hmm. designs at this point. And we're like, we could print any of these. Let's just make screens for all of them. <laughs> I think and, we got really excited about the possibility, right? It <laughs> like was like really excited. go hard on this design yeah. system. And Brad's amazing at design work and coming up with things. And so we had all these designs and we realized that like printing at the screen printer and having something of, Oh, you need 50 of this design was just yeah. not going to work for us because we wanted we so many one. designs. Somebody wants yeah, to buy one. this one. I could go down in my basement and I can print one of it. Well, when you find out that it takes about like an hour to print a shirt, then you go, this is terrible. <laughs> so, so, so when you order them in bulk, the reason screen printers have minimums is because of how long it actually takes to line up all the colors, go through the process, mix the inks, make the colors, everything like that. Make so, the screens. So not only do you need a screen printer, you need the screens, you need the material that you put on the screens to be able to, to make the images show up. And then you also yep. need eight. So when you make the screens, they make them mm-hmm. in dark rooms. It is literally yep. developing a photo on a mm-hmm. giant two foot by two foot screen. Okay, well, do I have a dark room? Nope. Do we have lights for a dark room? Nope. How do we make <laughs> a dark room? I don't know. Brad builds it. <laughs> <laughs> Brad builds it. Brad builds a dark room. So not only do you have to have a completely dark enclosure for these to dry for hours uh 
but it also has to have airflow. So here's what mm-hmm. I did for this part of the, like setting it up. I build this wooden closure that I could put like five screens in. I build shelves, everything. And then I take a bathroom fan that I happen to have oh laying around gosh. because we were going to be finishing a bathroom. I cut a hole in the top and I have a bathroom fan on the top of this box that is circulating the air through this box. So I had this little portable box that I could put five screens in to let them dry. I could put it anywhere in the house. It was completely sealed, pitch black, and I can plug it in and just let it dry. See, I thought it was like a genius idea. When I saw that and came over, I was like, man, dude, you are next level. I think like, you know, I was friends with Brad for so long and we never really did business together. And then when we did this and started this, I realized that like, wow, Brad's mind is next level. So when... Yeah. So the, so the screens in order why we do this is when you put this, it's it's, called a screen is basically, yeah. Emulsion is basically like a, think of it like a screen from like your house, right? Like your window, but it's instead of having the screen where it's like bigger uh, mesh, it's really, really, really thin mesh. Mm -hmm. And so you put emulsion, which is basically just like putty over the top and you have to let it kind of dry. It's like a half dry. And in order to get the screen of the shirt onto that emulsion is you basically put the black image in a transparency over the top and then you expose it to light. And so the outside of that image that's not under that black transparency sheet will harden. And then you wash away the un you know touched part of that and so the professional way that they do this is there's a big dark Uh room they put the emulsion on they got these giant racks they put like 20 to 50 screens in and it's in this giant room that they dry and then you print stuff out in a printer you you take a design and you like you said it's it's basically a a solid black ink um i don't if in a 13 inch (laughs) wide printer and and which we then had to buy (laughs) yeah so so we had to buy (laughs) so so what what is it it's it's a transparent uh so everybody can kind of get a visual of it it's it's a transparent sheet of paper if you went to school at all when they had like the projectors how they showed stuff on the wall instead of like in between chalkboards and whiteboards and digital right they had these projectors where you project images so the class can follow along and they can draw on it it's literally those clear transparent sheets of paper and we print it well we don't have a printer that's big enough so now we have to go buy this like dude that printer was expensive it was like this epson big 13 by 18 inch printer that could print these giant things and then after the emulsion is at this like dry phase like semi-dry like billy said you expose it to light so so now we get to like this Dude, this setup was so jank, man. Like the okay, so now so, so we're learning this like little by little. We're like, okay, we got the emulsion. We're like, what's the next step? We have no idea yet. So now we're looking at like all these how-to videos, how to do this. And I'm like, okay, so you're supposed to have this big light box that you put these things in, and it's supposed to like evenly distribute the light so it all dries evenly. It's I'm like, dude, we're not spending like two thousand dollars on a light box. Like I could just build a light box. So I have these. Was it a box though? Uh, no. So all we, no, it wasn't, any, it was not a box at <laughs> yeah, all. So and you have to, you have to have glass light. and you have to have glass. So what I did is I went to a local glass shop. I bought a raw piece of glass to tempered, top, right? Yeah. Tempered glass. So you layer this, you go screen, transparent sheet of paper with the image on it glass on top of it all right so now you've got that sandwiched so now it's going to you know basically you're going to cook it and you're going to heat it up 
and now I go, okay, we need lights. What do what what lights do I have laying around? I've got these ten dollar lights from Home Depot that you use at construction sites to blare light. You know, yeah. while you're working in the pitch black, like sure, this halogen light will work perfectly fine for this. And so then, like, it says it has to be you know like eight to twelve inches away from it or something like that. So now I just like have this this super rigged up light just hanging right above it. And then we just power that baby up. We cook it for what? It's like 90 seconds or something. It's not a long no, time. It's like, right? it's like nine minutes, I believe. Is it? Is it longer? Okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we just cook it. We put the timer on. We walk away and then we go, okay, so that's done. Now we got to wash it off. Well, you look <laughs> up at all these videos and they're using power washers to wash it off. We do not own a power washer. And like, you got to wash this stuff off like right away or it'll keep drying and then you're not going to be able to wash it off. So, yeah. and then I, it won't print efficiently. And then it doesn't print because the screen is basically filled with pieces in it. So I'm like, right. okay, all we have right now is we have a sink in my basement. So we put the screen in the sink and we start trying to wash it off. And mind you, you got to do this in the pitch black, man. Like you can't go outside and do this because the sun will dry it. Right. So like we're doing this in the pitch black, we have this little hose hooked up to the sink and we're putting our thumb over the hose to get pressure to pressure wash this thing in a sink in my basement, getting my whole basement and us soaking wet in the pitch dark with one red light bulb. So it doesn't expose the ink more. It was the funnest but worst thing when you look back at it in the entire world. And like, it's so yeah. dark, like you can't see if the screen is getting cleaned or anything. So like you think it's cleaned, but it's not. And like, we're sitting there trying to scrub it with our fingers and stuff. So like this process probably takes us a solid 30 to 40 minutes per screen to clean off where like in at shops, least. it probably takes them five seconds because they just go power wash whirp, 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 and like they're done. And we're just sitting here like absolute idiots. Just yeah, but at the time, like if you think about it, like we didn't have the means to <laughs> no, go to a shop, didn't. right? We so didn't. we needed to make the means to happen. And uh, fortunately, really Brad's funny. really good at building that stuff. So in order for us to make our vision start to happen, we had to, you know, fork up probably what a thousand dollars total in order to get this stuff with the printer and the inks and the actual like screen printer as well. So I just we don't know why I didn't make up. a tent in my driveway with an actual pressure washer. <laughs> like there's so yeah, many options that were easier that just didn't Because happen. you can't bring the screen up because you'd That's have to true. have it in That's a black true. box because as soon as it hits light, it starts drying. So there's that. Yeah, we went through all that stuff. And so eventually Brad got like a little nozzle so that we didn't yeah, have to hold our uh, thumb, yeah, literally yeah, hold yeah. our thumb over the top of the hose. Like that is legit what we were doing, holding yeah. our thumb with a very small amount. If you guys haven't played with a hose, if you hold your thumb <laughs> over a hose and it's powering water pretty fast, it then becomes even harder and more powerful, right? So that was our uh, process to be able to get there, right? So that we are totally in the deep dive right now, learning about all things screen printing. It is so next level. And we just keep on going on this rabbit hole because we obviously see that like we can do this, but then we honestly have to learn how to get better because yeah. we print <laughs> our first shirt. I think we tried Plastisol, right? I think we, you might've yeah, tried yeah. the Plastisol so we tried by Plastisol. yourself. I so. tried Plastisol and, and oh my gosh. So there's but, a couple different inks, yeah, right? Before inks. we get into this. Yep. So there's Plastisol, which is virtually like 
liquid hard. It's like taffy, but it's just yeah. melted ish plastic. Yeah. Right. And so a lot of the things that you do buy in the store, if with screen prints on them are plastisol ink, and there's not just one type of plastisol, there's like rough plastisol, there's like soft plastisol. So usually when you buy clothes in the store, it's going to be a soft plastisol ink on that shirt. It's going to be the most durable. Then you also have the uh, water-based inks, which the cool thing about the water-based inks is that they are not plastic. They are virtually just dyeing the shirt. So you have limitations there with what you can actually do with that ink. And, but there, and, and then the, finally... And the difference with those two really quick is the water-based ink, like you can flush it down the drain, like it's eco-friendly and everything. The plastisol, like you can't put plastic down sinks or anything like you have to dispose of it all as a chemical right so that was a huge limitation factor and yeah definitely i did not remember about that because <laughs> we are obviously washing yeah. you know these screens off because once you print them it's got a humongous amount of ink on it and if you're going to use a different color for that screen you need to wash the screen off so yep. we obviously accumulate what like 30 different screens so we can print all this stuff so we now have like a whole inventory set up. So you, and go, the, you going, wanted to go over one more type of ink. What was the other type yeah, of ink? Yeah, and the, the last <laughs> type of ink. I was getting back to there. Uh, the last type of ink is going to be, um, what what is it called? It's uh, uh, direct to garment. It, no, it's, direct to garment is different it's, 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 Yeah, it's a dye. It's some a type dye. of dye. Yeah, it basically what it does is there's a, a pigment in your shirt, in the yarn of your shirt. Mm -hmm. So if you have a red shirt, it's it's basically, it's white yarn that is dyed red. So what this ink does is it basically extracts that ink and puts the shirt back or closer to its original color. Um, so it's basically burning the ink off of the yarn that you have. Uh, is that what it is burning? Oh, it burns it. it no, I know like, it does. <laughs> it's called, it's called dye sublimation. Dye sublimation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So yes, dye sublimation printing. Uh, and so let's get into that story. But before to. we do so, I just want to cover one thing. We did think, and a lot of you guys out there may be like, well, what about heat transfer stuff? So mm -hmm. we had already been doing Very gaming, true. right? And Brad had been doing gaming and we did buy a heat transfer. And that is not a sustainable way to make quality clothes because the quality of those things, if you've ever seen somebody that does clothing and maybe you see like a really like hard reflective graphic on somebody's shirt that's really washed out was probably a heat transfer um it's just not it, it doesn't produce quality like it's very easy to do like you just print it in a printer you put some heat on it it goes right into the shirt but me and brad are all like we talk about all about quality it has to be not just looking good but it has to like function well and so like when we're doing this printing process anything that we saw like we'll talk about in a little bit is like if it doesn't look good and it's not sustainable like we can't, it's not an option for us so heat printing transferring is basically very easy not sustainable not quality it's going to really make your business look amateur and we're all about making our business look as professional as possible while doing all of these amateur processes yeah we did use heat pressing for the tags on the inside of our shirt for a little tags while. yeah that's a different one though that's not the same type of because yeah, we had to it, it order was different. Those, it those was different. Bags. It was a different type of type of thing, but we did use a heat press for that. Yeah. So, so back to this uh, <laughs> dye sublimation story here. So this is the uh, ink that Brad mentioned that you cannot buy because yeah. of the ingredients that are in this ink to be able to create this process to happen. So it actually has formaldehyde in it, which if you guys don't know, is an embalming fluid to keep dead bodies basically preserved yeah. as they're in caskets before they are buried. 
So it's a very toxic, toxic chemical. And I literally was so, able to just go on a website and buy this ink and you're supposed to have like hazardous and like, you know, FDA like approval stuff. Like you're supposed to have like circulation flow that's approved. Like you're supposed yep. to have all these approvals. Like to hazmat to suits ink. legitimately. And I was literally able to buy this ink as a civilian with nothing like that and print in my basement with not proper airflow. So we're like, yeah, this is going to be really cool. Let's do it. Let's do a test print. I'm home by myself, <laughs> literally by and myself. And I think I was on my way over. And me and Brad lived like an hour a yeah. hour away. So when Brad's like, I'm going to start doing it, like just come over. And I like, might have I'm been personal getting, training. I'm just getting client. warmed yeah. up at that point. Like I'm just getting <laughs> yeah. everything set up. Well, Brad's like excited probably to do it before I get there <laughs> to show me. Right. <laughs> so I'm grateful that I wasn't there because yeah. this stuff probably would have tanked me at the time. So go ahead, man. So <laughs> I get the ink and everything. Everything's normal. It's like normal ink. I get the shirt prepped and everything. Uh, to prep a shirt, you got to put glue down on the press and then you put the shirt down so it sticks. I got my screen set up. I'm just doing a single color on this because it's literally just going to take a red shirt, extract it and turn it, you know, white. Uh, So I print the ink and then what we were doing, this gets into the process of how we were drying our shirts. So to dry shirts. The more that we talk about this, the like more hilarious it becomes, like how much crazy stuff we were doing. Yeah. So, So when you dry shirts, there's usually a conveyor belt that you run shirts through. And like these things are giant. They're huge. They're really expensive. You throw shirts in it. It dries it evenly for the right amount of time. We didn't have the means of that. So what did we do? We were drying shirts with heat guns. That is right. We sat there and held the heat gun 12 inches away from our shirt and dried a graphic until it was dry to the touch. Great process. Absolutely amazing. The first time, dude, remember when we went to visit Mike and we made the bonafide sweatshirts and we didn't realize this was when we just started printing stuff and we didn't realize that we had to dry the ink. Yeah. So it was, it was still wet because, because we used water-based ink. So like you couldn't really tell, but then the ink started coming off when we touched it and we're like, Oh, this isn't how you print shirts. We never we didn't dry like the first 20 shirts we did. <laughs> we washed them and the graphics faded like 80%. We're like, why is this happening? Yeah. Like, what is going on? Um, and uh, so we're using this dye sublimation ink and I go to dry it. And when you dry it, you can start to see some smoke and stuff like that to show like, you know, you're, you're basically evaporating the water. So in the water-based ink, when you're doing it, you're literally just evaporating the water that's in the shirt. Super safe, super cool. Plastisol, you're basically burning the plastic and melting the plastic into the shirt. Uh, not very good. Another reason why we didn't want to use Plastisol. And then the dye sublimation, you're literally burning formaldehyde and breathing it in. And I do this for a couple of shirts, man. Like I don't, I was probably doing this for like a solid 30 minutes. And I, I don't know, I, cause like I would print the shirts and then I would dry them all at once. So like I, I printed a bunch of shirts, I'm drying mm-hmm. it. My dad comes home before Billy gets there <laughs> and he starts swearing and he's just like, what is that smell? <laughs> as angry as you could possibly be without me screaming. Right. He, I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't smell anything. <laughs> like, right. I don't know what's happening. I don't smell anything. I have been now in this for 30 or 40 <laughs> minutes, right? I don't know what's going on. Uh, he is like, 
this smell is so bad. You're lucky that like something is not dead or the house is not on fire or something because this is really bad. And then lo and behold, I'm probably high out of my mind right now because I've just been huffing formaldehyde fluid directly directly like directly on it like i'm talking like i'm a foot away from it i'm just it's filling up you know it's smoking there's no ventilation we're just filling up my house so i was like oh i'm just printing shirts and my dad's like well it's never smelled like this before like what are you doing different and i showed him the ink he goes and researches <laughs> it and he goes you need to get rid of that right now and we need to air this house out this is really bad you're lucky you're not dead and I'm like, oh, okay. So then Billy comes over and we he walks into this and smells it as well and have to go over this whole thing. And we're like, yeah, well, we can't print any more of these shirts. We have like five of them printed. Uh, and honestly, I really love the shirts. <laughs> like they're great. <laughs> they're really good shirts. We, I, I had a black one. I had a red one and I had a blue one. I remember those and like, they looked really cool, man. They were really cool designs. They came out neat. But yeah, do not use dye sublimation ink unless you're a professional shop with all of the right precautions. I should not have been able to able to buy the ink. I don't know how I was able to. And then going through that process and printing it and doing all of that, like I am very lucky like myself or the animals in the house, like nobody like died or had serious health issues after that. And luckily it was a one-time thing that we aired out and got rid of really fast. We went and turned on like box fans throughout the whole house. We aired that thing out. We opened up all the windows, cleared it out as fast as possible. Like it was a absolute disaster. And I remember like my head was just like a cloudy mess. Like you don't realize it until you walk out of the house, right? I walk out of the house and I'm like, oh, this is air. Oh, wow. This is what it's like to breathe again. Okay. So that was that was a terrible, terrible experience, and yep. we learned from it for sure. So we ended up testing all these inks. We ended up sitting in with water-based ink because we could wash the screens off, put it down the drain, you know, um, dry it easier, other, easier to print and everything like that. The other benefit to the water-based inks, I mean, there's always positive and negatives to everything, but the water-based inks, when you touch them on a shirt, which is what we really liked, is there was no feel to it. It was basically like ink just you know like if you took a permanent marker and colored a shirt and then you put your hand over that you wouldn't feel anything plastisol has a big feel so we were really into trying to make our clothing as congruent as possible to be a very like you know not have this big heavy graphic on it which you do get with plastisol inks and the downside to that is that it then becomes a little bit less sustainable meaning as you wash your shirt more there's more potential that that graphic can fade which we did experience what i mentioned the first time we didn't realize that we had to dry inks. So we literally, Brad printed, he was so excited. We were going to visit Mike Strongside, who is a gamer. First time like that, we were like kind of like developing friendships with these professional gamers. Comes and picks me up at like three in the morning. Brad tells me, yeah, Mike said we have to be at his house Saturday at 8 a.m. And I was like, Brad, we were going to go wakeboarding. That's why. Are you sure? Sh- is that what it was? <laughs> yeah. We are you sure he said 8 a.m. on a Saturday? He's like, yeah, for sure. So 3 a.m. Brad comes to my house. He already woke up at 2 a.m. to drive to my house. I'm exhausted. He's exhausted. We get in the car. I'm like, dude, I really have a feeling that Mike is not going to be awake when we get there. And if so, if we get there and he's not awake, I'm going to punch you for making me wake up this early to get to his house. So sure enough, we drive, what, six hours to St. Louis, I think is where we went. And we show up. Mike, 
not answering his phone. I'm like, Brad, I swear, man. <laughs> so we literally sit out there for what, maybe 20, 30 minutes before yeah. Mike actually answers and wakes up. And he's like, Oh dude, sorry. Like, you know, I was sleeping. I was like, so we, Brad gets really excited about this ink. And so he prints us off sweatshirts. Right. And so I remember specifically going on our way, you know, we stopped to go to the bathroom and I go into the bathroom yeah. and I'm like looking at this shirt in the mirror <laughs> of this bathroom that's got like, you know, this really terrible, very bright reflective light in it. And I'm like, man, this shirt looks different. Like I've never seen a shirt look like, so I touch it and it's like, I, I feel the ink, like the ink comes off on my hand. I'm like, Brad, like, is this how the shirts are supposed to be? Like we screwed up. And so then Brad <laughs> takes a paper towel and starts wiping his shirt and the ink's coming off on the paper towel. And we're just like, oh my God, like what is going on? Like, we don't know what we're doing. And, and so then I don't even know if we researched it then, Wait, but eventually you, we came to research it. We did. Cause do you, you remember, to, what, do you remember what we did in the bathroom? No, we dried them. Did we, we dried them oh with the God. hand dryers. <laughs> don't know. We did it. Yes, we did. We looked it up. And we're like, <laughs> Dude, Oh, we have to did, dry yes. it. And then oh we God. took it off and we're sitting there with the oh hair dryer and we're trying to dry it enough because we're about to go give someone a sweatshirt. True. Yeah, Brad printed all this stuff because that's what we do. We get excited, right? We don't even research half the processes. We get excited. Brad prints. And there was a cool thing that was really fun as well. So Brad gets excited, prints all this stuff. We're like, we're going to Michael's house. We made him a design, I think, at that point mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. And we were going to go and give him this stuff. And it's all wet. <laughs> it's not even a finished product. It's literally like a 50% finished product oh that if he washes God. it, it's virtually going to be like yeah. no ink on the shirt, right? So... That was a crazy experience. It and then also the hilarious. cool thing was, is like when, if Brad was at work and I was printing, it was like fun for us. Like, this is the thing that Brad talks about in the first episode. So if you guys haven't watched that, you definitely going to want to go back. Cause we're going to tie so many things in together is that we got excited. Like it was exciting for us to print stuff. And so when Brad would go to work or Walgreens or whatever, cause I think you were working at Walgreens working for a good amount of that yeah. time. Um, I would print stuff and I was excited to like for when Brad would come home from work so that I could literally like, bro, I printed you like this cool new shirt graphic. I put like a red on a black, like it looks sick. Right. And yeah. so Brad would do the same because I would take me an hour to get over there. He's like, I got a surprise. So it was like fun for us yeah. to like create this stuff because we had like unlimited capacity. We could mix any ink color we wanted. Dude, it was like, weird, inks, like little man, kids that was my favorite thing ever. Lab. It's like Brad oh. did amazing colors. And the funny thing is, is like sometimes Brad would mix because Brad, as we talked about, is like, like just go. He wouldn't <laughs> write down any of the color combinations no, no. that he used Who to get that? that ink. So he made like the best color, like this beautiful. And if you guys don't know, uh, our Brad and Billy with bees, and then some of our favorite colors to print with are blue Boy. combinations. Go yep. figure with another B word. And so we, Brad made this amazing, like light teal, bright process blue. And I was like, bro, this ink is amazing. And I don't think we were able to quite replicate that specific color. Cause no. Brad just goes into this like hardcore mixer mode. So then what happens is, is I go, okay, we need to get a color close to this. Let's make as much as we can. So then we make like half a gallon of it. So we have enough. And then we just mix the old stuff in and we're like, okay, that's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, yeah, I but the, the official like process green, is so. there's literally like, like recipes online that you need to scale for you yeah. take the inks and you measure out the grammage so how many grams is each of these colors and yeah. then you take that you mix it all together so you have a consistent color so if you go online i'm pretty sure that there's a website too yeah. brad because um, you've done all this research that you can basically say hey i want 
this color, this number blue, right? Because every color has a number. So I want this number. Go online. You see the grams. We try to do that. We're like, it doesn't work. So Brad just did <laughs> fix it. <laughs> and the reason the reason it doesn't work is because like there's so many different Pantone colors. Like there's coded and uncoded and all these things. So you have to get the right Pantone color, and then you have to have the right Pantone inks. So if you don't have all the right ingredients, it doesn't work. So I was just like, screw this. What do we need? Purple? Okay, what colors make purple? Mix them together until I get the purple I want. That's a little too dark. Add some white to it. Oh, that's a little too... Uh, and I was just... That's yep. that's how it worked. That's and then and, eventually after we ran out of that, that first one... I came yeah. from a printing shop with cars. So like I had to mix colors like this for car paint. So I was very, very familiar with like the process of using the like the grammage and the scales and all the stuff. And I was like, this doesn't work mixing stuff like it does with cars. Like it's not the same. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to make my own stuff. I love mixing paint colors. It's great. See, like this is work, what we were doing for work. Granted, I mean, you know, I watched a, a YouTube video and I sent it to Brad the other day and there's a, a clip of these, these kids that started their own clothing company. And they're like, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we're repping out our clothing company. And they're like, you know, like, what's your profit margin? Like how much, how much have you guys made? You're like, define the profit. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was no profits. It was just us having fun in a basement at that time. Like, you know, it was to grow a clothing company, but at that time it was like, how do we break even? get free clothes and start building a community. And I think that yeah. a lot of businesses kind of like are like that. It's like, and as we learn, it's like, how do you keep your overhead as low as possible? Try not to spend as much money in this process because at first it's virtually a hobby. Like mm -hmm. you can say, Oh, we're going to do all these like, and Brad was really into this and we kind of like started to go away from it was like, we want a business plan. We need to get really specific about our numbers. And then we realized that like, you know, we can project that we're going to have this business plan, but like if we're doing all this work on planning, that's as soon as we started the business, we're like, none of these numbers are even real. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so we do all this screen printing stuff and then eventually we just say enough is enough. How long, how <laughs> and that long, came, how long that did only we came with demand though? That came with demand, it did. right? So it we did. were getting to a place we built this, so much that we needed to print a hundred. I think it was so we needed to print three hundred shirts for Mike, for Mike yep. Strongside, who was a, a pro. He was a veteran pro. He kind of retired at that time. He was kind of playing, but he had a big following. So Mike is also the person that we just visited with the wet shirts. So we needed to bring <laughs> all these shirts to the MLG competition because we were going to sell these shirts for Mike. And since we had Mike leveraged with his own community and following. We knew that we could sell these shirts. And so it was like three days before we had this genius idea. Yeah. Brad comes up with this amazing football graphic. I think that Brad said, like, like I'm going to do a strong side. And I was like, dude, strong side's like a football play. So he goes and grabs this like amazing graphic, throws it together. It looks awesome. And I'm like, dude, this design is next level. Mike is going to freak out. So we have like two or three days before we need to leave for this event. And we're going to bring like hundreds of shirts with us. And Brad's like, we're going to print this. And I'm like, <laughs> bro, we are not going to print this. He's like, yeah, we can print it. I was like, dude, honestly, like, and he was gung ho about it. I was like, maybe you need to like research some screen printers and we can find somebody because obviously our first option was not right because it was more of a low quantity. There's somebody that we can find because we already know how to order shirts that we can just get the shirts to this person and they can print the shirts for us. And maybe we didn't do that yet, but we were on the way to start thinking like that yeah. as basically like an independent contractor where we knew that like, if we go to Jack Prince or another one of these companies, they're going to upcharge the shirt cost because now we know how much the shirts cost. They're going to upcharge the ink yep. charge, the design process. So if we can do the design process, we already cut down the cost. If we can then 
scale it and we can send it over. We can have the color separated and then we can also provide our shirts. We can really cut down on the cost. And instead of paying $15 per shirt for a hundred, which is a ton of money, that's $1,500. We can then break it down and maybe pay like two or $300 if we just pay for their ink skill set. Right. And so Brad goes on this crazy tangent and finds somebody like, just in time to be able to deliver these shirts. And I think that they sent the shirts to the event, if I'm not mistaken. It was, it was Ryan. Yeah. So, so we have a, a good uh, relationship with our friend Ryan, who did all of our screen printing. And so Ryan has on, big points. Like, yeah. Whew. Actually, not, not quite, though, because we did that. We moved. So then um, we come to a place which is going to, I guess, well, his that company, was further his down company, the line. Let's give a shout out to his company, Neme Corp. Yeah. Screen printing. Neema Corp. Yep. If you need anything printed or done, like he is just absolutely amazing. Like he's a, he's yeah. so knowledgeable. He's helped mm-hmm. us so many times, like to not make additional mistakes in the future. Um, right. <laughs> um, and you know he's he's been a really good working partner. He's it's not we we look at him more of of a of a super like good friend working partner throughout the years. Like he right he's. He's just been like super, super good, good with us. And yeah, he's been a blessing. And so it's good in whatever business you guys are going to do, wherever you're at, just make sure to find somebody that like, I wouldn't say that you want to be their friend, but that they're, they're caring enough that it's almost as if you guys are friends that they're like, Hey, you know, I want to make this hat. And the person's like, you know, I could make this hat for you, but that's probably not the best way to do it. Let me like help and guide you. And that's kind of what Ryan did for us because he was so knowledgeable about the screen printing process. Me and Brad would come to him with like a 10 color design and we did do a 10 color design, but well, and it's actually one of those things too, to mention is like a lot of these screen printers like that, like you can't get a lot of stuff ordered if you're not a clothing company too, because a lot of them can only sell to people who are going to sell for like uh, Mm -hmm. tax purposes and things like that. Mm -hmm. So like, that's why we're, able to do that with bonafide. Right. So it's like, you know, you're able to go there because we are a registered, you know, clothing company, uh, that does resell. So, you know, a lot of these big screen printing companies, they can't sell to the open public like Jack Prince can. Right. So Jack Prince is that reseller, right? They're the printer and reseller. So then you're as, as a consumer, you're usually going to them or like custom ink or something like that. Right. Versus, You know, and, and Bonafide would be a similar thing, right? If you want something printed and you're a consumer and you go to, you know, Bonafide and Bonafide is able to facilitate all of that stuff because you're a structured company that has all of the ramifications to be able to process mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And the structure of the companies is not too hard to obtain. The knowledge to obtain is what we're all talking about. And we only gain that through experience. So fortunately, we did go through all this so that when we started talking, like if I go to a screen printer and I can ask them, like, what kind of ink are you printing? Mm -hmm. You know, and then I'll send them a graphic. And if they'll send me a mock-up back and it's like overcharged, you know, they're printing five, six, you know, we just have so much knowledge. It's like, no, dude, this is a two color print because it's a black you know, it's a white design on a black shirt. So I know you probably will run it on a base and then you'll, un- you'll, you'll basically run another screen over it. So just all that knowledge is so incredibly useful when talking to screen printers, because now we speak their language. That's like going to Japan and not knowing Japanese, right? So we yeah. learned screen printing language. Every business has their own language. So developing that language is something that we didn't understand that we were doing, but we started to do that. And we do it in every single thing we do because we started speaking educatedly. So now I think one of the things that we're really good at is taking this really complex language 
and starting to basically explain it to the layman that's not in that business. And that's how we use it as leverage when we start getting into other businesses that we do use clothing for. And it's been a common thread in a lot of things we do. And then eventually, you know, Brad gets on this AGL kick, right? Because we got Ryan. And now I don't even know what happened, dude. You got to explain this to me because I'd never really asked you this. So this is a cool thing for you to explain. Like, I understand that like, you know, MLG was falling off, but like literally Brad disappeared for like three days and it happens from time to time. Brad kind of goes on these like tangent rat holes and comes back and is like, dude, this is what we're going to do. And it's like, we're going to start doing a gaming league. And he already had it planned out. Like he had the, I don't know if you had the name or we came up with the name, but you had like this huge idea. And I was like, bro, what in the world are you talking about? But it sounded like a really good idea because I had been as a part of MLG. And so I was like, okay, cool. Like, I like it. Like, what's up? Like, how did you even like, what yeah. sparked and inspired you to even come about so, to switch? Because we, because I was like so familiar and playing in all the events and stuff like that, there was this, there was this downward spiral, like as reach was leaving the competitive scene. And, Halo reach, if you guys aren't yeah, familiar. Halo reach was leaving the competitive scene and it was starting to go towards Halo 4. And nobody really liked Halo 4. There wasn't sure if there was a scene. There was a lot of stuff in the gaming industry at this time that was starting to change. Um, mm-hmm. I think MLG was you know, leaning more towards Call of Duty at that time because it was becoming yeah. more popular. So Halo, who was their bread and butter, was now going to be you know second in line or third in line to other games that were bringing in more people more popularity more viewers so you know all these pro players and all these players that we we've played with and seen and you know started to become friends with over the years uh you know they now don't have anywhere to play essentially and with the way halo was it was never playing for the money because there was not enough money in the scene Yes, some pro players were getting, you know, stipends from MLG to cover their hotels or, uh, you know, plane tickets. And then if they place well enough, they'll get some cash in hand. But it was nothing like it is now where there's millions of dollars all the time out on the line. Like the, you know, the world championship back then was $150,000. Um, so not even pretty good money, but you got to think that's only split between five players and then maybe second place gets some money in third place, but there's, you know, hundreds of kids that are playing in this that are virtually paying out of pocket to try to get a piece of that, you know, very limited high elite pool. Yeah. To give you an idea. So an event would go on sale and they would sell 256 team passes in seconds in the, in the heyday of halo three, even into rage, like sold out. So, and those tickets would range from, I don't know, like $250 to $350, depending on where you're at in the lifespan. I think at some point they went up to like almost $500. Um, so you got to think you're selling out in a matter of seconds. You got to be there refreshing the page, just like concert tickets to buy your stuff. And these are teams of four with a coach. So basically five people, essentially, that's a lot of people. And, and now mm-hmm. like there's even more people that want to go to these events that just can't for, you know, it's selling out travel reasons, but then there's people that are going to spectate and watch. So there's this huge community that now is starting to lose where they have to go. Um, so I'm basically like, you know, why don't we spin something up that allows these people somewhere to go and let's keep it alive. Like I was so into Halo. I didn't mm-hmm. play anything else. I didn't do anything else. Like I you know, live, dream, sleep, ate Halo. Like that was my life at that time. So it was like, I don't want to see this die. If I'm not going to have anywhere to 
computer play or any reason to computer play. Nobody else's. So mm-hmm. let's create something that gives people places to go. We already have all of these contacts from the professional Halo scene and everything like that, and all these players that we know. We should be able to turn this around and do something with it. So, you know, uh, obviously at the end of the day, a business's goal is always to be successful and make money and stuff like that. But everything for us starts off as a passion and a hobby. And we kind of figure out the money stuff as we go and how we make money and break even and stuff like that. And I'm always a stickler of if you're trying to put an event on, it needs to break even or the event has failed. And we've kind of, we try to do that as much as possible. We were successful for, I'd say, at least a year. Yeah. Most probably all events, but maybe one. Um, Mm -hmm. and so then what happens is, uh, without getting super into AGL, cause we're going to get into that on the next episode in depth, but to kind of kick off how it started a little bit more is I came to Billy with this idea. I said, let's do it. We have this community. And then we basically just, we made a logo, we made a branding, we put a plan of how can we put an event together for the very first thing and, you and know, like not that, spend any money and not spend any money. So at that time I was working at a place called game Pazzo in Downers Grove, and, Illinois, yeah. which was a, basically a bar that had a land center attached to it where you can go and play computer games and video games. These were kind of popular. What's a land center for everybody that isn't super familiar with that. So a land center, you go and you pay an hourly fee or a daily fee or a membership to play video games. So maybe everybody doesn't have video games at their house or good enough internet to play online. You just want to get out of your house and go somewhere and play and hang out with your friends. You'd go to a place like this to be able to play you know, with your so it's virtually just a big out. room with a bunch of monitors and a bunch of Xboxes. Yep. Typically, you know, they'll have consoles, PS, PS3s as they're getting bigger and then they'll have computers. So you can go in there, like, let's say you're a team of four and you guys want to practice, you want really good internet, you mm-hmm. want to play together, you can go in there. Or if you're just leisurely playing, like you can just go in there and pick up like any game that they have. Yep. It's virtually just like a warehouse almost of like a bar in this instance to have additional revenue and then just a bunch of like competitive, usually games to play. Yeah. And so, so I'm working there and I'm like, I'm, I'm managing the place. So I just went to the owners and I said like, Hey, can we just have this like competition here? Um, and they're like, sure. So there's two steps to this. The first step was kind of a warm up community event that we did, which was a NOS driven event. So it was basically come and meet strong side and hang out with him. So we, there's mm-hmm. game Pazo did this car show and we piled on top of it, a little bit of a gaming event and we streamed it. We had a couple of pro players come out. We had all the local community from, you know, the Chicago, the Chicago land area, I'll call it. Cause it was Indiana, Wisconsin, Michigan, Chicago, St. Yep. Louis, all kind of came out and hung out. I'd say a good, what, 30, 40 people probably came out. Yeah, man. There was a good amount of people that came out and big they, names too. Surprisingly yeah. like big names in the community that came out that were like super amped that somebody local was starting to do this. So we just have this thing. It's just a hangout game play with each other. We're playing eights locally there. We're streaming it, you know, NASA supporting it. They come out with their truck and everything. And we just have this really fun community type of day. And then we're like, okay, we just got our foot in the pond. That went really successful. That was really fun. We got lots of good footage, lots of good photos. Everybody loved Mm -hmm. it. And now people go, we want more. We want more. We want more. Go bigger. So we're like, okay, let's have an actual event now at GamePazo. So now we have our actual event at GamePazo. I don't know how many people we did. was what, maybe 16 teams, 24 teams. You think it was more than that? Yeah, 24 teams. 
Yeah, no, no. Yeah, you're probably right. I, th- I think it was 24 teams because I don't mm-hmm. think we could have housed more than that in that environment. So we do this three-day event at Game Pazzo and like getting ready for this event. It was, it's like, okay, we have no gear. I have never, this was my start of my production career right here, right? I am a player. I know nothing else. Okay, now I need to do production. I need to produce an event with no money to be able to spend. Okay, so that's the key here. Zero dollars. I don't want to spend anything. So how do we do that? Okay, what makes these events successful? What makes them look good and everything like that? I think I go out and I spend like $200 on wood. I build these two giant desks to house 4v4 Halo on a stage at Game Pazzo. These things were the heaviest, clunkiest. I had to rent a truck to move them. After the event happened, I threw them away because I wanted nothing to do with them because they were the worst things to move. They couldn't break down. It was terrible. They were huge. So I build these desks so that it at least looks good for cameras. Who knows what cameras we're using yet? Who knows how anything is going to look or function, how we're going to stream, what graphics? We have no idea. So we find this guy. I, I honestly, I can't even remember his name. S- this guy who wanted to support the community. And he basically mm-hmm. came at us and he was like, hey, man, I will give you guys like $1,000 to go and buy whatever equipment you need. I'll come out to the event and I'll just kind of sponsor the event and support it for you. Just some local community dude. And so we don't, I don't know what equipment is good or not. So like, we're like, okay, they're Xboxes, they're HDMI. SDI really isn't a thing yet. We don't really know enough about it. So HDMI, we get an HDMI eight port switcher, like that you would hook up like stuff to to a TV and click a button to switch it, right? Yeah, this will work perfect. It's like 150 bucks. And we get these HDMI cables and we get splitters. So every Xbox has a splitter on it and an HDMI cable that runs to this hub. And we're like, we're going to stream all eight point of views. Ain't going to be a problem. It's going to work. We have a computer (laughs) that it hooks up to. It's going to work. Well, (laughs) there was no testing involved beforehand. Like besides plugging like a single Xbox into this thing. So I'm there like the day before setting up everything. We got all this last minute. Like this was a super rushed, like last minute. Hey, this mm-hmm. is happening in like two weeks type of thing. And, and there was got, no reason that it needed to be rushed. There right? was it just no creates reason. this like crazy small timelines and yeah. then like slams everything. Like he it doesn't even know to how to stream anything. He doesn't know how to do anything. And he's like two weeks, bro. I'm like, Brad, two weeks. Like it's not, it's like, yep. Two weeks. I already told everybody before I even told you, I was like, all right. <laughs> the two whole community weeks. knows passes are already on sale. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. It's happening. Uh, you know, so like we get all these really big names to come to this event. Really like, big, really big. Like these are like, like literally, I would say pros. probably 30 to 40% of all of the pro yep. MLG players and some of the top 10 players show up, like everybody, everybody. showed up. And I was just like, For you know, all. me and Brad went from watching these people. I was in my dorm room, Brad w- at college and Brad would be yep. at his place and we'd be playing Halo and we'd be like, dude, we got a break. We're going to watch the finals. Like all these people that we were watching, not all of them, but most of them showed up to the event and I was just like, what just happened? Like we literally went from watching these guys on virtually ESPN to them standing in game Pazo with one event. (laughs) Yeah. And, and the crazy part with halo and the way the community is, is there's not a lot on the West coast that happens. So most of it is like centered around like the Midwest. It's like Midwest, Mm -hmm. some Southern, some East coast. Like we were in the central hub of like where it's super easy for like 90% of people to come to. 
Uh, so like, that's why we were able to get this draw is like, we're in this centralized location for a lot of people driving. So it wasn't that big for them. People wanted, they just want to come and hang out with each other. They want to see each other. So everyone shows up to this and you know, we start to, to stream and I'm like, Oh, every time you switch the HDMI input, it makes the screen go black on stream and it makes the player's screen go black. (laughs) Well, this no longer works. So then what we did is we decided we were going to do a single point of view stream and we were just going to switch it from one team to another, you know, in between rounds or something like that. So that's what we ended up doing. Uh, You know, it was still, it was successful. Like the event was successful. Everybody had a good time. There was really good games, really good competition. This was when like, Halo and the esports stuff was like really raw and uncut. We called it like people were just screaming at each other. Super. Long, like there was no things. professionalism. There was no professionalism. None. This is this is like this is literally like you and your high school buddies going to play yeah. video games after you just got done playing football and you yeah. guys are all like pumped up and pissed <laughs> off and just like screaming and punching yeah. each other. That's literally what this started out as. Yeah, and so that event goes really well. You know, we talked to everybody. Um, and everybody just goes, when's the next one and everything. So we're like, all right, let's go to the next one. And I think that that's kind of where this stops and the next episode picks up where yeah. we're going to really dive into arena gaming and go through the whole story. Cause that's like really our next chapter and covers pretty much about eight months of our life, you know, full force. We went, we went really focused in on it. Um, So yeah, thanks everybody for listening and watching whatever you're doing. Make sure you guys, you know, like, comment, subscribe, follow us, download, tell everybody what's going on. Hopefully you're learning some lessons and you're kind of enjoying the stuff we're going over here. Um, And yeah, the next one, the next episode is live. So go and listen to it or watch it. We appreciate you guys for being here. We're going to see you out on the next podcast. Peace.